Thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul. Whatever thou be, until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. It's me, your wife, Lindsay. <laughs> Hello, wife, Lindsay. Hello, husband, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks again to those Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, Annabelles, and Bad Magicians who have already bought tickets to the April 22nd Scared to Death live show. We are excited to do that with Loops.com. Uh, Thursday, April 22nd, 6 p.m. Pacific time is when the virtual doors open. Mm-hmm. 6.30 start time. The show will be interactive with a chance to participate in a live chat, polls, Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, the stories will only be told on that show that we're telling that uh, that evening. Yes. Like, like the tale of La Llorona. Well uh, done. We're going to have a uh, STD live tea, STD live hoodie, a La, La Llorona tea uh, mug. Lots of fun stuff. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're very excited. Tickets available at badmagicmerch.com. Can I say one thing? Yes. Okay, so for fans whose stories get picked for the live show... Mm-hmm. Fear not. I'll still be reaching out. Your stories will be included in the Volume 2 book Very cool. that we will be talking about in the next couple of months or so. Awesome. I just don't want anyone to feel left out. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, not sure yet what our April Bad Magic Productions uh, charity is quite yet. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, recorded this episode too far in advance, so probably next week we'll make that announcement. Sure. And then how many stories do you have for the 83rd straight week of Scared to Death, Lulu? Um, 83 might be my lucky number because, you know, I was born in 83. Mm-hmm. And these stories are so, 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 so good this week. I don't want to build them up too much, but the first story is told from the female perspective. And this story has been hanging with me for weeks. Like okay. it is just a particular kind of fucking terrifying. All right. Okay. So there's that. And then story two... Um, we are headed to La Jolla, California, mm-hmm. and we have a something in the water story. Oh, okay. I don't wanna... We haven't done one of those in a while. Uh-huh. I have a story today, actually, that's a little, that's very water-related. Oh. Um, I have two, uh, one whopper of a witch tale to start off. Okay. And then one little baby ghost ship story. Ooh. So the ghost ship, obviously, with some water there. Okay. The, uh, the first story I have is the legend of Maul Dyer. And uh, this this supposed witch, the inspiration for the witch for the uh, Blair Witch Project. Movie. Ah, I was going to say, I know that from somewhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then a modern paranormal experience based on this legend. And then the second story is a collection of sightings from some uh, or of some ghost ships that have been showing up on the coast of Japan the last several years. Okay. On so the western coast, coming, coming from ships. Korea, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, ghost ship it is. Uh, are you ready for the first story? Yes. Can I talk about my socks? You can. In true scared to death tradition, I have to show off my socks. I'm going old school. These are the OG socks that I wore at the <laughs> beginning. These are my, um, I'm holding so you guys can't see under my skirt. It creeps. Um, my little unicorns. Very, very cute. Oh, there they are. Oop, wait this way. There they are. So cute. <laughs> Decent amount of setup for this first story. I will preface this one saying that the encounter story I'll tell following the folklore regarding the legend of Maul Dyer is a lot more theatrical than most of the tales we tell here. 
Now, of course, we do realize maybe it never happened, but you could say that about basically all of our tales. So I'm including it because even if it didn't happen, I think it is a great campfire horror tale. Great. I really like it. Well, everyone can suspend their disbelief. Mm-hmm. Please do and enjoy this one. You ready to hear it? Uh, okay. I've got a crystal. Do I need a cross this time? You might. Okay. The legend of Maul Dyer is an old one. When Maldire's strange story first came to light in the late 19th century, historian Joseph F. Morgan noted that the story was already hundreds of years old. Maul was a, quote, old hag, according to folklorists, who lived in a ramshackle home. Something about her terrified the local people, her uncommon height, her uncomfortably intense piercing eyes, perhaps. Locals thought she was a witch. Now, was she or was she just the victim of paranoid persecution? Her legend, coming from the tail end of the 17th century, does come from America's era of witchcraft trials, just not from the place where the famous trials occurred. They didn't all occur in Salem in 1692 and 1693. Other trials occurred as early as 1654, and they continued here and there until 1712. A Maryland woman named Rebecca Fowler of Calvert County, Maul Dyer, also supposedly lived in Maryland, was hanged as a witch on October 9th, 1685. And if the legend is true, Maul's fate would be even worse than a hanging. Maul's home was about a mile south of an old county almshouse, uh, kind of a type of homeless shelter for the area's unhoused population. Okay. The remains of that building now stand in the woods not far from Leonardtown High School in the little town of Leonardtown, Maryland, 60 miles south of Washington, D.C. There in the fall of 1697, the weather would turn abruptly winter-like. The temperatures plummeted, a blizzard swept through the area, freezing cattle and sheep in the fields where they stood. Wow. It was so uncommonly cold, and the storm showed up so suddenly, many of the townspeople thought that something more than an atypical natural weather occurrence had to be responsible. Something unnatural had to be responsible. Someone had to be responsible. They began to believe they'd been cursed, and they blamed Mal Dyer for cursing them. Delving or devolving into classic chilling mob mentality, they lit torches, surrounded her shack, set it on fire, and burned it to the ground. My God. Terrified, Maul Dyer fled into the nearby woods where the angry mob approached. The locals didn't see her or they would have run her down. Once her home had been burned and their blood lust satisfied, the locals retreated back into their warm homes. Maul Dyer would, of course, not be able to do any such thing. She now had nowhere to go, no home, nothing but people around her who wanted her dead. So she disappeared. And several days later, a young boy searching for some lost cattle in the snow came across a terrifying sight. He found Maul Dyer. He spotted her frozen body, <sighs> kneeling on a rock, one arm stretched to the heavens as though she were cursing her tormentors. For years afterwards, families in the area reported that local fields planted after her passing had turned uncharacteristically barren. And then on the coldest nights of winter, some of them would look out their windows and see a dark figure lurking at the edge of the woods, a specter beckoning them to follow her out into the elements, out into the shadows. And now her spirit may still haunt the land around her old home in Leonardtown, still looking for the men who forced her from her home. A lot of the alleged paranormal that's occurred around Leonardtown over the years has been attributed to the ghost of P- Mall Dyer. One man reported that while hunting along a small creek in Leonardtown known as Mall Dyer's Run, Around 1970, he saw a very dense fog patch, uh, cylindrical in shape, with a light emanating about eight inches down from the top. It crossed the stream and went east, moving across the wind instead of with the wind, then turned and went south, but what made it really strange was that it did it twice. He believed the orb was the spirit of Maul Dyer. 
1972, an 875-pound boulder was moved from a wooded ravine near Maldire Road to the Leonardtown Courthouse lawn in front of the old 1876 jailhouse, which now serves as the St. Mary's County Historical Society building. The, the rock remains there to this day, and locals say that the rock itself is cursed. The rock Maldire's corpse was found upon, and people who touch it become dizzy and faint. And that sometimes, in their moments of lightheadedness, those who touch the rock receive dark visions. They see things that aren't there. They see things they wish they hadn't. Time now for the tale of Mal Dyer Burns Again. Angela had no intention of ever going to look for Mal Dyer. She'd grown up in Leonardtown and had heard the old stories her entire life, passed around. I guess it should be, sorry, I'm going to back up. should be more like her, her house burns again, her home burns again. Oh. Since technically, I just like the the wording better. Well, I, I understood what you meant. Okay, as as I got I second guessed, I'm like, mm, does that title feel right? I like it. Sounds cool, <laughs> but is it confusing? I Always the perfectionist. I just want people to know. I realize that she didn't burn the first time. Okay, good her, job. But her thank, home did. Thank you so much for that clarification. Thank you. Uh, Angela had no intention of ever going to look for Mal Dyer. She'd grown up in Leonardtown and had heard the old stories her entire life, passed around on auspicious days, usually closer to Halloween. And then later, at parties when people had too much to drink and tall tales about investigating in the woods started flowing as easily as the drinks. Like most people, Angela had rolled her eyes and thought the partygoers were just making them up for attention, wanting to be in the spotlight. By the time she was in her 40s, with her husband Eric and two teenage kids, she barely heard about the legends anymore. Except when friends came from out of town to visit and wanted to take a tour of the historic part of town. But even they didn't take the stories very seriously. It was just something interesting to talk about for a moment, and then they went on without giving it another thought. Angela hadn't given the old stories any real thought in years until her youngest daughter, Mallory, started talking about Maul Dyer. Mallory was 14, an oddball. Even Angela, distanced from the high school social scene, could see that. Mallory was a late bloomer with one best friend, Katya, who did everything she did. It, was, it wasn't uncommon for Angela to come home after a long day of work to find Mallory and Katya exploring the attic or concocting a plan to dig for treasure in their backyard. That all happened when the girls were still in middle school. As they got to high school, they started spending more time online, sharing links to forums, to uh, YouTube videos. Angela noticed that whenever Mallory opened these links or videos, she always plugged in her headphones and turned the screen away secretively from her mother. Uh-uh. And at first, this didn't really bother her. Of course, she was looking at something somewhat inappropriate. She was in high school. Normal teenager stuff, right? Mallory was entitled to a bit of privacy. But the longer this went on, the more Angela started to wonder if she should at least check in on her daughter. She didn't want to be some helicopter parent, always hovering around Angela. But she did want to make sure that anything, you know, something terrible wasn't going on. So when Mallory was at school one day in October, Angela opened her daughter's laptop and scrolled through her search history. And what she found wasn't what she expected to find. She'd expected, worst case, some sort of weird chat room, websites, or even porn. But what came up wasn't that. What came up were forums, most of them in deep, lurid colors, green and red backgrounds, and plain text, like websites from the 90s. Scanning the screen, she caught bits of text, rituals for success and love, contacting spirit, help needed, and disturbingly, I think something is after me. And then Angela's eyes caught on some familiar words. Mal Dyer supposedly haunts the woods near my house. Posted by a user named MalPal19, her daughter Mallory. Angela closed the laptop and stared off into the distance, lost in thought. So this was what her daughter had been doing all those hours. Angela didn't know what to think about it. On the one hand, she was relieved it wasn't something dangerous. It wasn't something uh, to do with drugs or anything illegal. And she knew that kids liked to mess around with that stuff. 
Even she had sat in on a few shabby half-ass seances when she was much younger. And yet it all still concerned her. Was Mallory planning something? When Mallory came home from school that afternoon, Angela looked for any signs that her daughter was engaging in something risky. Or that her daughter seemed scared of anything. Worried about something. No alarm bells went off. Mallory was the same. Wandering through the house, dumping her backpack in the mudroom as usual, before grabbing a Pop-Tart from the kitchen. Angela could almost convince herself that Mallory was doing some sort of research for a story. Some fictional story about a young woman who encountered the spirit of Maul Dyer. Almost. When Angela was pretty sure that Mallory thought she was upstairs, taking a shower, she saw a look she didn't like cross Mallory's face. The phone buzzed, she picked it up, and a small smile tugged at her lips. She laughed softly, and it was a laugh Angela had never heard come from her before. Not a child's laugh, but a woman's laugh, sultry and deep. Something was going on. Something she didn't like. But what? That night, as they got ready for bed, Angela told her husband, Eric, I'm worried about Mallory. To the cracked bathroom door, he replied, Why? Something happening at school? Not exactly, Angela said before frowning. She thought about how she could say what she wanted to say without sounding ridiculous. I think she and Katya are, are trying to have some kind of seance. Eric turned off the tap, emerged from the bathroom, patting his face dry with a towel. Like with a Ouija board? He shrugged. Okay. I mean, we agreed that we'd let them figure out religion and spirituality on their own, so maybe she just... But what if she... Angela stopped herself. She sounded so stupid, so paranoid. Later that night, she lay awake in her bed, uh, Eric's steady breathing filling the room, and she heard some other noise coming from down the hall. She wondered if Mallory was still awake or if she was on her phone. She should go in there, she told herself. She should just go in there and see what was happening. Angela got up, crept out into the hall. Standing in front of Mallory's door, she heard something. It was almost two in the morning. She heard it more clearly now, a low, heavy chanting. Then that same laugh, the womanly laugh from before. And then suddenly Angela felt a bit sick. Some sweat slipped down Angela's back. She reached out her hand to open the door, and then she curled her fingers around the doorknob and then abruptly withdrew them. The doorknob was red hot. What? She stifled her scream. She didn't know why she had the instinct to stay quiet, but she didn't want to alert Mallory. Or maybe more accurately, she didn't want to alert whatever Mallory was speaking with. Looking down at her fingers, she saw burns already forming. Tears sprang her to her eyes. She quietly raced back to the hall, back to her bedroom, and then as she rounded the corner, she saw an enormous black figure standing in front of the door, blocking her. She felt frozen with terror. While this thing tilted its head, she continued to feel paralyzed, unable to even open her mouth to scream, what was it? Had it just been in the room with her husband? Had it hurt him? Would she be next? Would her daughters be next? And then she opened her eyes, and it was morning. Waking up to sweat-soaked sheets, Angela wondered, had it all been a dream? It felt so real. She sighed in relief. Eric was already making coffee downstairs. She could hear him. She could also hear the playful squabble of the girls getting ready for school. She sighed and reached for her phone and then saw the painful red burns across her hand. The burns from the door. How could she have burns if it had all just been a dream? Uh-huh. She quickly got dressed and went downstairs. Eric passed her a cup of coffee and she tried to focus on making things seem normal while her mind raced. She was wondering about everything that Mallory was touching all of a sudden. What was really in the cup she was drinking out of? Was it orange juice or something else? If she opened up Mallory's backpack, what would she find? Would she find strange talismans instead of textbooks, a Ouija board instead of her notebooks? Paranoid. She felt really paranoid. Why was she thinking any of this? She was Mallory's mother. She had to deal with this like a responsible adult. Did she actually just think her daughter might have cast some type of spell on her? Something that led to her burning her hand? 
If so, she thought she should be more worried about herself than Mallory. Oh, Mal, she said casually as the girls were about to leave. Her oldest daughter, Alexis, shrugged and kept going to the car, so Angela and Mallory were alone. You and Katya are having a sleepover tonight, right? It was Friday, after all, and they had been uh, having sleepovers on Friday night since the two girls were little kids. Yeah, Mallory said as she tucked a piece of dark hair behind her ears. I was going to go there after school. I'd prefer it if you and Katya stayed here tonight, Angela said. We could order in some pizza if you want. Ah, Mallory insisted, or said, I told Katya I'd go over to her house. And she stared at her mom curiously. She'd never arbitrarily just asked her not to stay at Katya's before. Uh, and I'm saying that she should come over here, Angela said firmly. That's final. Um, Mallory paused, weighing over whether or not it was worth it to say something. Then, clearly annoyed and confused, also deciding a fight wasn't worth it, she said, whatever, before sighing and grabbing her backpack and then adding, fine. Angela silently breathed a sigh of relief as Mallory headed out the door and got in the car, Eric cheerfully blasting disco that made both of his daughters cringe. (laughs) With the girls in the house that evening, Angela could keep an eye on them. She didn't know what was going on, but something was going on. Her maternal spidey senses could not be tingling any harder. After work, Angela picked up two pizzas and headed home, feeling better about the situation at that moment after having after having had all day to reflect on it. She kept going back and forth in her mind. One minute she'd think she was being paranoid, and then she'd be worried about her own mental health. The next minute she would feel convinced that she was not crazy and that Mallory was definitely up to something, something bad. Once home, she took a pizza straight to the basement, where Katya said, in the same cheerful voice she'd grown so accustomed to hearing over the years, Thanks, Mrs. Mabel. Mallory seemed to have forgiven her for this morning, happily taking a slice of pizza and smiling at her. She'd expected things to be more tense between them. Not at all. Mallory seemed like the same cheerful old kid she'd always been. It was as if that morning hadn't happened. She was smiling, her cheeks flushed pink, and she jokingly complained that her mom always got olives, and she hated olives. Angela then went upstairs where she and Eric ate their pizza and watched some TV. The intermittent shrieks of laughter from the basement didn't bother her like they often did that night. The annoyance of the interruption was far outweighed by the comfort of knowing her daughter was safe and that she seemed like herself. Angela told herself she must have just felt off last night. It wasn't her daughter, it was her. But then she looked at her hand again, felt a sensitive skin where she'd been burned. After a couple episodes, Eric said he was going up to bed and Angela said she'd check in on the girls before joining them. She could still hear their low chatter and music playing, but she wanted to set eyes on them before she went to bed and remind them that the lights were still out at 11. She went down the stairs, started to say, Hey, I want you girls in bed by 11, and then she stopped in her tracks. The girls weren't in the basement. No one was. Girls? Oh, no. Her voice took on an edge of hysteria that frightened her. Come on, stop hiding. They had to be hiding, right? She just heard their voices moments ago. And then a sickening thought flashed in her mind. Just because she'd heard voices, that didn't mean they were their voices. Oh. She remembered the post, Mall Dyer haunts the woods behind my house. Had they left to do whatever they were going to do in those woods? Her stomach dropped. She grabbed her phone and shoes, forgetting in the rush of the moment her jacket, even though it was a cold night, and she raced out the door. Maybe, she hoped, maybe they were just going to a friend's house, or even sneaking off to a party. Please, just let it be a party. But then she saw. But then, when she saw the dark woods up ahead, she knew something in her twinged. Call it a mother's intuition. She knew that her daughter had walked into these same woods. The soft glow of the streetlight soon faded, and she found herself in partial darkness. The only sound, the crunch of her footsteps on the leaves, and the pulse rushing in her ears. Where had they gone? What were they doing? So many panic questions buzzed in her mind so loudly that she didn't hear at first the sound of another set of footsteps. <gasps> Footsteps following hers. She spun around, skidding on the leaves. Who's there? She asked into the void. 
Leave me alone, she yelled. Up ahead dimly, she could make out some sort of old crumbling structure, an old barn. How had she never noticed that before? There seemed to be a flickering light coming from inside. Were the girls in there? Angela picked up her pace. The sound of footsteps behind her returned, but they were fading. She opened the door to the barn. She could have sworn she heard something that sounded like a low chuckle nearby. (laughs) But the barn was empty, or was it? As her eyes adjusted, she started to make out some shapes. Furniture? Supplies? At first, she thought it was the normal things people would keep in a barn. But when she looked around further, she now saw some dangling restraints hanging from the ceiling. And then on the wall to her left, long knives hung from some pegs on the wall. Oh my god, get the fuck out of there. Old farming equipment littered the floor, broken and abused. It didn't look like anything she'd seen before. It looked old, like something from centuries ago. Then something brushed her face. She whirled up and whirled around and looked up. The skins of dead animals hung from the ceiling. <sighs> Foxes and rabbits with dead glassy eyes. As she watched, a trickle of black liquid came out of one of the fox's mouths. And the little animal twitched. <gasps> Jesus, these weren't the skins of dead animals. They were live animals. Oh, my God. Barely alive. A voice whispered in Angela's ear, Don't touch them. Oh, my God. Then before she could even open her mouth to scream, everything went dark. When she came to, she couldn't see anything, but the musty smell told her she was still in the barn and that she wasn't alone. She heard low chanting, mumbling. It sounded familiar, like the girls' voices. Mallory? Angela asked, trying to focus her eyes. The burn on her hand throbbed. She couldn't move. Mallory! Katya! Mallory stepped out of the gloom. She was holding a candle. By the light of the candle, Angela could see the animals from the ceiling had been taken down. Now they were arranged in a circle around her. Mallory stepped inside the circle. Mom, Mallory said, just calm down. You interrupted the ritual, but it's going to be okay. Where's Katya? Angela asked. What's going on? Katya now stepped inside the circle. And then standing behind the girls, Angela saw the ghostly figure of an old woman. Her back stooped, her teeth bared in a grin. Just hold on, Mom, Mallory said. The ritual's almost over. The sacrifices are dead now, see? She gestured to the floor where the corpses of the animals were littered. Not enough, the figure rasped. Want her! She lifted a gnarled hand and pointed at Angela. Holy shit. Her thumb was missing, carved clean off. Something dark seeping out of it. You want my mom? Mallory said she was trembling. As if in agreement, the old woman's grin widened. No, Angela moaned. No, Mallory, please. Do it, Katya said. Do it now, Mallory. And she'll give us anything we want. I can't, Mallory whimpered. Then I'll do it, Katya said. She started to approach Angela, and Angela could see that her eyes weren't the normal light brown color they always were. They were darker. And when she spoke, she saw the same darkness, like there was a shadow inside her mouth, inside her whole body, pulsing with its own energy. She leaned over Angela, and Angela saw that she was holding one of the knives. It looked familiar somehow, and then she looked back at the figure of the woman, the woman's missing thumb. The knife's handle was that bone. No, Mallory, uh, yelled as she sprang forward and tackled Katya. Katya lurched, and the knife buried itself somewhere in Mallory's arm. She howled in pain as she struggled with Katya, trying to keep her down. When she tangled her hand in Katya's hair, the hair came clean off and seemed to die, fading to gray in her hands. The scalp beneath the hair rotted and raw. Angela watched them struggle. Katya's features warped into the old woman's. When Mallory's foot rammed into Angela's side, she could suddenly move and she clambered to her feet, shaking badly. Run! She screamed at Mallory. Run! She's mine! The creature hissed. Katya's features seemed to emerge and recede like she was fighting to get out. She made a promise and she's mine! Mallory fumbled with the knife and managed to stab at the creature, but it only laughed. (laughs) Angela grabbed her daughter's hand and the two of them burst out of the old barn. Then suddenly there was a burst of light. The barn was burning. (gasps) 
high laughter came from within. Katya! Mallory gasped and tried to go back inside, but Angela held on to her. No! Angela yelled, we have to go! They kept running until they were in front of their house. Mallory collapsed against her mom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It was just a stupid thing to get attention at school. I I didn't mean to. I didn't think it was real. And and then it was too late, she said, snot dripping from her nose. Angela hugged her as the streetlights came on one by one. A few months later, things were back to normal. Or back to a version of normal. The coroner had declared that Katya had had some sort of heart condition that no one had known about, and her body was found out in the woods. There was no burned remains of any barn. Angela and Mallory, of course, knew that wasn't the real story. But they also knew no one would believe them if they told them the truth. They did their best to put it all behind them. Mallory soon seemed to be making some other friends. After the incident, Angela and Eric decided to put cameras around the house. About six months later, Angela and Eric even planned a vacation on their own, deciding to leave their daughters by themselves for a weekend, a small test of their maturity, and promised each other that they wouldn't log into and look at their home security camera footage while they stayed at their bed and breakfast. Are you nuts? They trusted their girls. In their Airbnb, Angela and Eric relaxed by the fire and looked at some hiking trails. Maybe this one, Eric asked, pointing to a five-mile loop. That sounds good, Angela said. She went to the kitchen to make tea and saw her phone screen light up. She'd barely paid attention to it the whole weekend, but when she tapped on the screen, it showed over a dozen alerts from the security company. New footage available. New footage available. New footage available. Of course there's going to be a lot of new footage, she thought. The girls were in the house, after all, moving around, tripping the motion sensors. But still, Angela was curious. It was almost midnight. The girls should have been in bed. She tapped the icon, and it took her to the live feed from the living room, and Angela gasped. Mallory was in the living room, alone, sitting on the floor, cross-legged. As Angela watched, Mallory rolled up the living room rug. The floor underneath was covered in strange strange symbols that had been carved there, and around the strange symbols were six circles. Mallory sat in one circle and bowed her head, her lips moving. To Angela's horror, five dark shapes appeared in the other circles. Holy shit. Mallory's chanting seemed to grow louder based on her mouth opening wider and wider, her eyes getting more frantic. Angela zoomed in on her face, praying that there was a reasonable explanation for all this. Then one of the dark shapes shifted, and in his place now appeared to be Katya. Katya was dead, Angela thought. It couldn't be Katya. Mallory then looked straight into the camera and grinned, and she mouthed something. It looked like I wanted her back. That's it? That's it. That's just the ending? You know I hate when you end stories that way. Mm, that's, that's, well, that's how that one's ends. What in the holy hell? Oh, okay, well. I told you that was a little more theatrical, but I liked it. Oh, I forgot that you said it was theatrical. I thought it was so great. Well, no, I, I, it, it is good. No, I like it. But that's that's kind of why I meant like, the, the way it ends. But that's, you know, that's the way it was posted. What in the hell? I, um, do you have pictures? I do. Because I'm at a loss for words at the moment. I was really deep into that, and I thought we were going to keep going. I was like, build, 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 uh-huh, build, uh-huh. and then nothing what? happened. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, this is a sketch of Maul Dyer, uh, this first one. And then I googled scary-looking witch. What would you get? And this is what came up first. Ha! <laughs> Come on. I was waiting. I was like, is it going to be a picture of my mom, your mom, Monroe, the dogs? No, nah, I'm just kidding. All right. No, this is actually what came up when I uh, looked for some witch stuff. This is my favorite one I found. This is Scary Witch in the Forest. Isn't yeah, that, that's fucking isn't scary. Isn't that a great pick? 
What if you saw that? Oh my god! If you're out, if you're out hiking, oh especially if you're god. way out in the backcountry, like a long ways from any roads, you're hiking way out there, and you just see one person in a robe inside of some circle oh of god. a bunch of uh, sticks and stuff. If I yeah, just saw the circle, forget about the person, because then mm, you know then, Blasbury Blair Witch. Yeah. Hey yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, that was so creepy. I, I so, like that it was just yeah, just different. Had a mm-hmm. different energy around it. Yeah, it felt very dark, very negative. Did not like that. So happy I have crystals, crosses, and cleansing spray. <laughs> the the three C's. The three C's. The three C's. Um, wow. Okay. Also, Katya. She's just dead. They just found her dead in the woods. Mm-hmm. Come on, that was so bizarre. Right. She died in the burning. She she was trapped in the burning place. Yes. With the witch thing, and then all that stuff went away. And they just uh, found her found her dead of like some heart condition. And Mallory's not all bad because she wouldn't kill her own mom as a human sacrifice. What the fuck is she doing in her living room? Well, right, right. I mean, she is practicing witchcraft every day for those circles to be in the. Well, that's the story. I mean, if you're gonna like, if you're gonna buy into all of it, of course I am. Then she, like the two girls, contacted this entity, mm-hmm. this real life, you know, witch monster thing. Yes, and then it made them do some ritual or they did some ritual with it and it worked enough for that thing to still be attached mm-hmm. to Mallory mm-hmm. or maybe actually actually it worked enough her friend ended up dying because of it and then she wanted to bring her friend back maybe that thing lured her back into its dark little world uh kind of like that story we told last week about the person feeling guilt yeah 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 maybe maybe they manipulated her that way to try and get her to do another ritual under the pretense of bringing her friend back mm, that's not where my head went mm, i don't know not at all my head went to mallory is not um evil enough to kill her mom mm. but she's happy to kill those animals and i feel like she pulled katya into it oh. and my in my mind what is happening is katya is sleeping over their house weekend after weekend even though i know this particular weekend they were supposed to go to katya's yeah. maybe katya's parents are less observant so they thought sneaking out would be easier uh. but prior to that they have been carving into their freaking living room floor do you know how long that would take? How, mm. how much time you would need with your parents out of the house consistently to get that done? Mm-hmm. So like day or after do, day or, after or day. Doing it in the middle of the night. Right, working on it a little at a time, a little at a time. Ooh, how creepy would that be to, oh my to, God. to, go, to go into like, you know, the, like the living room in the middle of the night oh. and find like Kyler Monroe. They don't seem like themselves and they're carving occult symbols underneath the rug. I would immediately. Oh my God. I would be buying so much holy water to douse on them. We would be doing so many cleanses. Mm-hmm. There would be, we would probably have to move. Or, or put the kids down. You know what I mean? Both of them just to be safe. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm just spitballing. Okay. Or, or not. Or not do that at all. Definitely not do I'm, that. I'm going to put you down. Okay. <laughs> You're the worst. You're the worst. How would you want to get rid of our kids? No, I don't. I just like to Well, joke. maybe you do. No, I don't. Well, you know, I mean, they say everything said in jest. Everything said in jest. <laughs> I've always hated that phrase. As an element of truth in it. Does it? Does um, it? Well, I mean, if, I, if, if, if that's true, I'm someone should put me down for sure. For sure. Because I've jested about a lot of horrible things over the years. But also, like, you know, oh, sorry. But also, our kids are teenagers, and like, maybe you're just ready for them to be out of the house. Like, you don't want them dead. No, I don't you're want. You're just them ready out. for them to go. No, I would have said that years ago too. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> uh, that was the bigger of my two stories today. You ready to head 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 to Japan for a little baby scary story? I am. Good. I like I like a little baby story. Okay. Uh, we're gonna take a look at some ghost ships after a quick in between story sponsor break. Thanks for listening to our sponsor deals, creeps, and peepers. 
Okay, now ready for uh, – this is a story about some odd things that have definitely happened. Okay. I like mixing these in sometimes. I mean, paranormal or not, these stories – this is just creepy. Okay, okay. Because this is very, very, very real. Uh, fair amounts of setup. Uh, we've talked about ghost ships on Scared to Death before. Even skeptics who don't believe in ghost ships, I imagine, find a ship's crew completely disappearing or a ship showing up with an entirely dead crew to be pretty unsettling. That would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's been happening a lot in this one little area. Uh, so much of the vast oceans of the world still unexplored, often so empty, so devoid of human life. Isn't that crazy to think mm-hmm. about? Unexplored. Yeah, a lot of the ocean floor. Uh, you can easily end up. Being the only person around in the vast oceans of the world, nothing on the horizon for as far as the eye can see, no civilization or land or other ships for miles and miles and miles. Just you, your crew, whatever you've all brought along with you to uh, sustain yourselves, adrift and alone. I imagine it would be so easy to let your mind wander over to wondering if something you can't see might be right below you, maybe watching you, maybe waiting for you, coming for you. What better prey for a predator could there be than prey that can't see it coming? How scary to be attacked out somewhere where no one would ever try to help you because no one else would see you, know that you needed help. Somewhere where no one could hear your screams, where no one would be there to watch you die. What if this cunning predator, while you're alone out in the ocean, what if it wasn't in the water below you? What if it was already in your boat, perhaps disguising itself as a co-worker? Or a fellow traveler, a ghost or some other similar entity, and now you have nowhere to escape it from. Nowhere to run. Is this what has happened to the crew of some ghost ships that have been found with either no one on board or everyone dead on board? In the ocean, every year, crews mysteriously die or disappear. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. In April 2007, two brothers and a skipper set off on a two-month yacht journey from uh, around Australia. Just three days later, their ship, the Cosley, was found off the Great Barrier Reef with a half-empty coffee cup, an open newspaper, some knives strewn about on the floor, and no one on board. What? No obvious signs of struggle, no blood, no hastily scribbled note explaining what might have happened. They just vanished. And their bodies have never turned up. That's insane. Time now for the tale of Korea's ghost ships. Early one morning in November of 2015, the Japanese civilian coast guard spotted a black mass bobbing in the water hooked to a buoy. A 30-foot vessel lay off the coast of the Ichikawa uh, Prefecture. Normally, a boat like this wouldn't arouse much local interest. This area is usually full of a lot of fishing boats. But later that day, the coast guard reported finding two more similarly silent boats. What was going on? As the Coast Guard ship pulled that first boat they'd found into port, they noticed a pair of human legs sticking out from underneath, Ugh. bobbing up and down in the waves. When members of the Coast Guard boarded the boat and went below deck to investigate, they were hit by a sickening smell. They discovered three corpses, all decomposed beyond recognition. They were wearing civilian clothes, and the area around them was messy and partially destroyed. More dead bodies were found on the other two boats. A total of ten bodies would be recovered between all three boats. Normally, an autopsy would have explained how they died, whether it be from disease or violence or starvation, but none of the ten autopsies revealed a conclusive cause of death. The only thing discovered about the men is that they had been dead for about two months. What? But they couldn't figure out what killed them. On board, investigators found that there was Korean script written on the holes and equipment, a sign labeled Korean People's Army was found on one boat, and a pin featuring a portrait of deceased dictator Kim Jong-il provided further evidence that they were from North Korea, roughly 650 miles away. 
Did the ships belong to the North Korean defect uh, to North Korean defectors trying to leave the repressive hermit kingdom? If so, it would be a highly unusual defection. Most people trying to flee North Korea take a land route into China or a short coastal route into South Korea. Why travel almost 700 miles when there were numerous other much safer and easier options? Were the men fishermen? Under orders to bring back food to North Korea where millions are malnourished and starving? If so, why didn't they have any fishing gear? No such gear was found on board. Some Japanese living near where the boats were found believed that bad spirits were to blame for the deaths of those crew members. Residents of the small fishing villages that dot Japan's coastline are used to living alongside the paranormal. Ghosts are more accepted, and sightings of ghosts are more discussed in Japan, more than arguably anywhere else in the world. Ghosts appear frequently in ancient Japanese folklore and literature, usually in morality tales designed to both warn and entertain. They've also been a central part of the traditional Japanese practice of ancestor worship for centuries. Many Japanese have believed, and some still believe, for example, that if the deceased members of a family are not properly honored, they can come back to wreak havoc on the daily lives of those who've forgotten them and not paid the proper tributes to them. Added to this is Japan's complicated relationship with suicide, which has been considered a major problem for many, many years and it's only gotten worse recently. Monthly suicide rates in Japan increased by 16% between July and October of 2020. Holy shit. 70% of suicides in Japan are male. It's currently the leading cause of death in men aged 20 to 44. The Tobingo Cliffs are infamous for the vast number of suicides there each year, and these cliffs are not far from where those three ghost ships were found. Some Japanese believe that the troubled, sometimes angry spirits of those who throw themselves to their death off these cliffs stay in the area and seek revenge against the inhabitants of the world around them that hurt them. A man named Shizuo, uh, Shizuo uh, Katutani frequently rises early in the morning to go fishing near these cliffs in Monzen, near where the ghost ships were found. And he claims that on many occasions, as he's approached the pier, he's distinctly spotted a lady standing on the far end of the dock. And after clearly looking at her for several moments, she's vanished. The apparition of someone who's died by suicide, an apparition, apparition watching the horizon, looking for a new ship to torment. In 2013 alone, the Coast Guard reported 80 ghost ships Whoa. hitting the shores of Japan. Many, but certainly not all, thought to have originated somewhere in Korea. 80. According to a Vice News report, the number dipped to a low of 44 in 2017, only to balloon back up to a whopping 89 in 2018. What in the actual fuck? 89 ships either totally devoid of a crew or composed of a crew of the dead. Is it possible that some of them were piloted by crews that died of very unfortunate but very non-paranormal ends? Of course. But if just one of them met some mysterious end like the unexplained deaths from the three ships found near Monzen, then who or what is out there in the water? Yeah. Yeek! <laughs> I know, isn't that crazy? That That's vast so number? That's so many ships! Mm-hmm. Well, we are never getting on a boat over there. <laughs> And, and and they do wash up. Uh, I mean, they they show up all around the world. I mean, there's more where, here recently. Okay, where are all the places that I can't get on a boat? Well, you just probably the, just the ocean in general. Okay, so no boats and a lot of lakes. So no boats. <laughs> no, definitely boats. <laughs> no boats. No boats. And I have. I mean, this is so. Cr- I have some pictures. Okay. This first one is a picture of one of the one of fourteen ghost boats in an abandoned flotilla of boats found in 2016 off Japan's west coast, near where the other boats I mentioned were found. Uh, 30 dead bodies found between 30. 14 boats. 
Yeah, 14, this big flotilla, 14 boats, all just, there's no one living on any of them. I just, that's fascinating to me. I wonder if they all went out together. I don't, yeah, it didn't say that. So it didn't, uh, I, I mean, thinking it, it like referred to them as a flotilla. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know if that means that they were all together or that they were all just found together. Yeah. Um, this next picture is the Dabingo Cliffs. Uh, unfortunately, a very popular place for suicide in Japan. It's unfortunately so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the ghost boats have been, you know, found not far from these cliffs. Do you think the, those men are setting out on suicide missions instead of jumping off the cliffs? Mm, highly unlikely because it'd be a crew. A lot of, like, some of these boats are fishing boats. Yeah. Uh, just having read a little further on this, you know, it's like just coworkers who aren't related. It, it, very unlikely oh. that all of them would have chosen but what if to, uh, commit suicide? All of them uh, yeah. work for some company, and they just found out that they're not going to make much money. Still, pretty drastic for for all of them. So I'm trying to come up with <laughs> logical yeah. explanations. Th- this next, oh my gosh, this is so weird. This next picture is the mummified remains of oh. a 59 year old German captain of a ghost ship found 60 miles off the coast of the Philippines in 2016. Now check this out as you continue to look at it. For forensic investigators determined that his mummif- that he was mummified in a matter of just a few weeks. Died and a few weeks later was a mummy on the ship. And they have no idea what killed him. That just, is so weird. Uh, I don't I literally don't have words. Is that a picture? Yes, that's a photo. Because it really feels like a drawing. I know, because he doesn't look real. Well, and I, and I, and I, things I, around him don't look real. Well, but, I looked at several sources. I mean, it came from several, like, you know, uh, magazines. I mean, it, no part of me thinks it was... Uh, it's not like some random blog where I think it was Photoshopped. No, I'm not saying that. It just looks like a drawing. Yeah. Like, when you start to look at the details of things around it, like on huh. the desk, like uh-huh. that white placard. Yeah. That doesn't look... I don't know. It was very, various news outlets, you know, did report on this, that he was found like that. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I want yeah. to not leave it. Sure. You know what I mean? You get it? I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Something's... boats are out. <laughs> so many things are out in our lives. So many things. No. Yes? Nope. Yes? Nope. Yes? Okay. This is the note I made. Okay. So in the Japanese culture, mm-hmm. you have to really honor the dead or they're going to come back and haunt you. Right. Take note, buddy. When I die... Big funeral. You better really, yeah, really honor, honor me. Yeah, because if you don't, then I will absolutely make it my mission to come back and fuck with you. But uh, but I don't know if that, if that applies to Polish culture. Well, it does now. I just I, I, I just I made I I literally just made it part of Polish culture. I heard I'm a tiny bit Japanese. I heard that in Polish culture, um, there's not a lot of like rituals for the dead because a lot of times Polish people have a hard time knowing if someone's alive or dead. So a lot of times it'll take them years to figure out that a relative has passed. Uh-huh. Are you done with your dumb Polish joke? <laughs> It was a terrible dumb Polak joke. Uh, but the attempt, you gotta admit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the attempt was pretty good, though. Right? Uh, that, that someone just was so clueless that they, like their relative passes and it takes them a couple years. They just think they're being quiet for a couple years. It would have been better if you would have gone like, people don't care when they died. Because okay. they're useless. They don't provide anything to society. Oh, I, That's I, where I thought you were going. I still, I still think it's pretty good. Okay. All right, dad joke. It's all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you have... She called me a boomer, too. Oh, I, lump, lump it all in there. Kyler was so into calling you a boomer for so long, but I don't think it's cool anymore. Mm. Yeah, I think boomer's over. Only, only boomers think that boomer's still an insult. Oh, boy. Nailed it. Do you have a squishy squishy? Mm, I do. I have this Clear. little white face guy. I know. He's so weird, but he. Mm-hmm. I love the texture of that one. Yeah. Feels so good. Okay. 
this story, we are off to the middle of nowhere suburbia. No one, the author did not, um, did not, her name is Megan. She did not say where it happened. Mm -hmm. And this story, I have been so incredibly freaked out. Honestly, anyone who doesn't park their car in a secure garage or has a garage that's attached to their house, like a way of like getting in somewhere and closing out the outside, I think this is going to give them. Uh, yeah, some scares. I think it's going to make you nervous to come home late at night. Okay. Right. And so you park in our driveway. And I do. When, when you come home late at night, like especially after working in the studio all night and it's dark out, like do you ever find yourself to be a little bit jumpy? Yeah. Or like, like anxious? Yeah, sometimes. Like, what's yeah, that? sometimes. Cause it's just, it's so quiet and so dark in our little neighborhood. Yeah. 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 It can be a little weird. And, and, well, and also we have like these deer that hide around. Right. And so you will. They're, they're so they can be so sneaky. I know you'll hear their movement, but you won't Ugh. see them. Oh God, I know. So that sometimes will weird me out. Where I'm like, what is that I hear out there? Yeah, and and they'll come up. They're so used to people. Mm-hmm. You'll hear something from like 15 feet away. Right, like in the shadows. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think this story, without giving too much away, I think it freaked me out just from a female perspective. First of all, I think a lot of people do this first part, which is like you're driving, it's late at night, the car behind you makes every turn that you make. And you're like, oh my God, someone's following me. Oh my God, someone's following me. Like you're so freaked out. Like for sure my brain goes there. And I don't know if that is like a more male or female thing because I immediately go to how will I defend myself? What's my next move? Like I, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere or even if I'm just driving home, you know, down like, you know, the main street of our town, you know, where it's like, there's no one to hear me scream. There's no one to help. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm so fucked. And I immediately start having thoughts of like, okay, where's the nearest police station? I will drive to the police station and lay on my horn. Because I think that's what you're supposed to do if you think you're being followed. Is you uh, drive to a police station, stay in your car, lay sense. on the horn until a cop comes out. That makes sense. Somebody told me that once. I don't know if it was in a, uh, a women's self-defense class, but I, I did not make that up out of nowhere. Yeah, and I guess make sure that you know that there are people stationed there. Uh, well, there's someone always at the police station. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh, even if it's like a little community one? Well, I don't know. You grow up in the boonies, so I don't know what that means. A little community one. What does that mean? Well, like 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 in, well, yeah. In like small, some small towns, they don't have the... Well, then you would drive to the sheriff's house and park in his driveway. There you go. Because you would know who he is. Or she. Okay. And lay on that horn. That sounds good. Or any driveway, at that matter. Well, that's true, too. Right? Like a neighbor. But anyways, I want you to really like... Hold on. Okay. Okay, here we go. I hope I didn't build it up too much, but this story just really fucked me up. Hello, king and queen of storytelling. I want to start by saying I love this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. My friend had sent me the link from Spotify saying it was right up my alley, and she was right. I find yours and Dan's banter to be the most entertaining thing, resulting in my random smiling face whenever I'm at work. This is only weird for me and my coworkers because I have a huge resting bitch face. (laughs) The story I'm about to tell you is the most terrifying experience of my life. I wasn't going to send this in at first, mostly due to the fact that I'm not very good at writing and grammar. But my friends said it might make me feel better telling people who won't judge me right off the bat and that there might just be someone else out there listening who's gone through the same thing. Ever since I started my new job, my schedule has been 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. By the time I get home, it's still light outside. Two days a week, I go to work out after I get off. Once I've done two hours, I drive over to my sister's house since my gym is close by and it allows us to hang out. We end up cooking a late dinner and watching a TV Mm -hmm. show. By the time I get home from my sister's house, it is almost midnight. I still live with my parents, so there's always a car in the driveway. We live in a normal suburban neighborhood, a school right in the center, pretty friendly, 
all normal people, nothing weird or anything that stands out that I could tell you, which is why I felt so scared. Two houses down on the opposite side of where my house is, there is a turn to get out of the neighborhood. A light post sits at the edge of this corner, giving some light to the area. This isn't some creepy lone light post that is just randomly there, but my whole street has them. However, these lights were a dark yellow glow, so even though there are a lot of them going up and down the street, it doesn't really do much. One night, I was coming home from my sister's house. I decided to park on the side of the road right in front of my house since my mom and dad had work in the morning and I didn't want to wake up early just to move my car. When I had pulled up to my house, I stopped myself from turning the car off. There was a man. A man who was standing by the light post on the corner. He wasn't doing anything, just standing at the corner as still as possible. I found it very odd he was just outside in the cold for no reason. Mm-hmm. He wasn't he wasn't smoking, he wasn't talking on the phone. He was just standing there. He didn't look very threatening. He wasn't that tall, and actually he was rather short for a man. His face was harder to make out since it was dark, but I could tell he had facial features since the yellow light was right above him, and some of his face was visible. I didn't know why, but I got an uneasy feeling just looking at him. I was worried because at the time I thought it was a normal man, but then I started to get thoughts about if I got out of my car, he would walk over and kill me or kidnap me. I knew that it was late, and I had to go to the back door of my house to get inside since the front door was locked locked, and my parents were asleep. I had no key for the front door, only the back. We didn't think we would need an extra spare since someone was always home during the day, and I only came home late when I was with my sister. I decided at this moment that instead of risking going inside, I would drive off and give it some time mm. to see if he would leave. When I did this, I tried to take a better look at him. I have tinted windows, so it was hard to see inside my car, especially at Mm -hmm. night. I liked that, since I could stare at him, and he wouldn't even know it. He had on dark pants and a long black jacket, and he didn't have any shoes. The moment that I passed this figure at the light post, a loud BANG hit my car, and this made me slam on my brakes and look around frantically in front of me. I thought I hit something due to being distracted by the man standing on the corner. I knew it couldn't have been him to hit my car since he wasn't anywhere near my car. Just then, I decided to look in the mirror to see if maybe he did run up on my car and hit it. But my stomach dropped when I saw he was no longer standing on the corner. He was gone. The first thing I thought of was that he was hiding and was going to jump out at any moment. Not being able to see him was so much worse than him just standing out there being creepy. I pushed on the gas Mm -hmm. and went around the block so I could just come around again and try to make it inside my house. I didn't care about waking up early anymore. I just wanted to get inside. When I pulled around the corner and saw the man wasn't standing anywhere in sight, I felt myself let out a sigh of relief. Pulling in my driveway, I turned off my car and started to grab my things. The light in my car shut off by itself since I hadn't yet opened the door to get out. Just when I was about to open my door, I glanced up to my mirror and I saw him again. He was standing in the yard of my neighbors right across from us. I all of a sudden got so scared I couldn't move. I was so close to my room, my bed, yet it felt so far away. I knew I couldn't do this all night. 
So I held the, spe- the pepper spray I had on my keychain tight, and as fast as I could, I opened my car door and sprinted toward the gate to my backyard. I reached for the cord that opens it from the other side, but it was jammed. Mm. I started panicking now. I was trying so hard to open this gate, but it just wouldn't get unstuck. I then could hear footsteps behind me, but I wouldn't turn around. I just kept pulling on the cord to try and get the door open. I began crying. My breathing was heavy, and I felt like I was having a panic attack. I was so scared that I started saying things to the person behind me. I have a gun! I yelled. If you come any closer, I will turn around and shoot you! It was all a lie, of course, and it probably didn't sound very intimidating anyways, since I was hysterically crying. The footsteps got closer behind me, and that only made me cry harder, as I was still struggling to open the gate. Then, just as I felt a hand come up behind me and touch my shoulder, I turned around fast and sprayed my pepper spray at the person behind me, but I stopped instantly to find I was only spraying the air. There was no one behind me after all. I was terrified. I was alone in the dark. I quickly went inside my house, locking every door and every window I could. I ran to the living room and peeked out the blinds to see if he was still standing in my neighbor's yard. Instead, I saw him back at the light post. What? Just standing there, looking straight down the road, as I saw him doing when I first pulled up. I stared at him for maybe ten minutes, taking my eyes off of him for a literal second. So when I looked back at the light post, I almost screamed as I saw he was now standing in my front yard, only a few feet away from the window. I couldn't see his face since it was too dark, but I knew he was looking right at me. I jumped from the couch and ran upstairs to my room, going under the covers and crying myself to sleep. I no longer go to the gym after work or even hang out with my sister late. I always make sure that if I do, I spend the night and wait until morning to go home. Sometimes I wonder things, sometimes I wonder things like what would have happened if I would have turned around to face it sooner, or if he's still standing there at night under that lamppost, or even how he got to one place to another so quickly. I don't ever want to test it to see if he's still there, but I always found it odd that it suddenly happened one night and not sooner when I would first start to come home at midnight since starting my new job. I hope this story gave you some chills and maybe a long what from from Dan. Stay sane, Lindsay. Keep up the hard work, you both and your crew. Creep, (laughs) creeper or peeper, I will always love scared to death. Oh, wow. Thank you. Meg. Thanks, Meg. Man. I was thinking like, I mean, there's so many creepy things that story, but... If like that were to happen to anybody listening, honk, like you're talking about honk the horn in front of the wake up your family, right? Wake up the fucking neighborhood, especially like when you come back around the second time yes. and they're still there, just weird. Go at like call somebody, like wake them up, have them turn on all the lights in the front, come out the front door, you know, uh, in that situation, if your dad has a shotgun, have him come out, maybe pump it once. I mean, okay. You know. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. She was in her car, I think, like, mm-hmm. and I'm not judging, but just like, it's, oh, it's so no. easy from this perspective no, no, no. to be I was like, worried oh, for her. Right. It's so easy to be like, well, what I would do. Sure, sure, But sure. in this, like, calm, like, retrospective kind of position sure. that I'm, or, you know, looking at it, I would have just kept driving and called somebody. I wouldn't stay oh. idle in the driveway. Right? But I understand. Because he could, like, bang yeah. on the window. They could patents. I mean, if, he, but was he even real? I know. It doesn't sound like it necessarily, like, like not a human or something. No. And, and and also I do understand the well the frustration of it's like this is my driveway right I just want to fucking go home yeah I'm home yeah like yeah. It's, it's late I want to go to bed it, it, it's it's yeah it's a that's a tough situation because mm-hmm. this person never threatened her right right they weren't uh, she never actually saw this oh, person God. on her property 
Mm-hmm. They were just hanging out. But no, I, she did see him on their property. What across the street. Yeah, and then he was behind her at the fence. Thought so, but, but turned around and didn't see anybody. But then she saw him on her property when she was locking the windows at the very end. He was out. He was oh, in her yard outside I the window. still picturing him across the street. Okay. Oh. No, she said, I looked to see if he was across the street. She said, you know, I looked... He was at the lamppost. I was staring at him for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then I looked away for a literal second. Right. And then I looked back and he was right outside our window. Oh, my God. I was still thinking about a previous part of the story when that happened. God. Yeah. Okay. So he's actually. Okay. That, that's even more like. <sighs> if that happened, I would want so many cameras on our house. And I would hope that our kids would know they could tell us this. And I would set up so many cameras and I would do like so many stakeouts. I know. It, oh, man. That it would ma- fuck you up. It makes me think of, like, uh, our neighborhood. There is uh, by one of our neighbors. I almost said his name. I guess it doesn't really matter. But, like, one of our neighbors, mm-hmm. named sort of the P, uh, his house. Oh. <laughs> there's, there's a little, um, you know, uh, light post. Yeah. That we can see from our backyard. Oh, my God. That's where I was picturing, like, oh, my God. Like, what if you looked over there and there was just someone standing on the well, – all those bats? We often oh, see them flying. I know. Because I'm already freaked out by that lamppost because the bats will be bats, sitting yeah. in the hot tub. And I'm like, what is going so on? So many bats. And then they, like, swoop by. And I'm always like, huh, <laughs> shadow. Like, I freak out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a – our the street that we're on is – can be fairly busy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there is some stuff a little further down the road that people – little, you know, destinations people head to. But at yeah. night – it's all. It's kind of like outdoorsy stuff. Mm-hmm. So at night, our street is tends to be very, very quiet. Uh huh. And so that would just be, yeah, that would be so unnerving to have somebody standing out there. And then it makes me think of, you know, there's some transitional housing, and I know mm-hmm. that people need that get back of on their course. feet. Of course, but there I have are family also, that lived in transitional yeah, housing. But there are also, based on the apps and websites I've looked at, a fair amount of sex offenders. So yeah. it's a little like concerning uh-huh. that live there. And one of them, remember for a while, I don't know if he was crashing somewhere up the road, but he'd be dragging that little wagon. I know it was particularly creepy. He, he gave a weird vibe. I did not yeah. like the maybe just a little different socially, but he. You know, the wagon, disturb me. The wagon was a creepy detail, and I get yes. it that in all likelihood this person has so little, and that is right. like you know, so it could be very sad. Well, yeah, and also in transitional housing, you know, there's other people that are there, and sometimes you're in a shared space, and mm-hmm. and can be kind of like a hostel where you want to keep your belongings with you to keep right. them safe. I understand it, and, but from a right. from a parental yeah, exactly. standpoint, and then from a female standpoint, yeah. I just didn't feel safe. Well, and you, and when you know there are sex offenders down there, and when you know that there are some severely like mentally ill people, it's like, yeah, yeah it's sad. It's tragic. It's not so their fault. Sad. But also, you're a fool to then not worry about it on right. any level. You know, the one thing that makes me feel good huh. is that our neighbor is a cop, and there's generally a cop car parked in his driveway. That's true. And it's such a silly thing. But if I was a criminal, mm-hmm. I sure, unless I was the kind of criminal who actually wanted to be caught. I would right. never... Yeah, our house would be a bad house to pick. Bad. Our house is lit up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just... Yeah. Right. But 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 this person, this thing, what is it? Is it a thing? Is it a person? I mean, like, Meg, I, I really... Know. Like, where do you live? I feel like we got to stake this out. You got to talk to your parents. You got to get some cameras. Oh, my God. I would be asking neighbors. Unless that thing showed up again. It probably will. Now you're freaking Meg out now. Well, Why would you say it probably will? Because she doesn't know what, I mean, it, it wasn't there and then it was, right? Mm-hmm. So why couldn't it show up again? You didn't say it could, you said it probably okay, would. Okay, well, I just want her to catch it and like, it, you know what would satisfy me the most yeah. in this scenario is if they had a stakeout, like a whole neighborhood. Yeah. I'm building up such a ridiculous scenario. Yeah. And then they find out that like, you know, it's just like transient Bob. It's like some guy, right, like, right. because there is, we did have for a while, and I remember talking to an old neighbor who no, no longer lives across the street. There was a yeah. different transient, like very yeah. early on, and she was like, that guy isn't 100% harmless. Mm-hmm. He 
You know, he vague he would walk out to the lake and fish yeah. for his food. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like it was just sad, but she was, I mean, I wouldn't want to like invite him into my house for dinner, but he was, he was harmless for all yeah. intents and purposes. Right, right. Yeah. Fuck. It's a good one. Good, <laughs> that, luck, good luck parking in the driveway, my friend. I know it's got to be different. I, I do think about this right or wrong. Um, I feel less scared. Just being like a guy and yeah, a little bigger, it's like, you know, it's like. That's not, why is that wrong? I don't know, just decided. But like, um, no. But like being a 230 pound dude and um, who's always worked out a fair amount, you know, like whatever, like that. Not that I'm like some MMA champ because I'm not, right. but I, I, I never feel like I'm first on somebody's let's go fuck with that guy list. Right. Well, you, it's, I don't know if it's your body. I think it's really just your face. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. Okay. You but, have, you have the don't fuck with me face. Okay. Yeah, so so for whatever, but it's like I don't worry about those situations, right? And, and, but but I'm like, man, what a different world where mm-hmm. it's like if you're 110 pounds, and you know, um, yeah, maybe you're not athletic. And or like, stats stats just show it's like women's are women are more often victims of those crimes. They're targeted they more often. They're easier to overcome, and that's not about and there's the, and there's the sexual you know aspect of a lot of which is terrifying. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like you know, it's like that's the, that's just the reality, mm-hmm. and so. You know, you, I, I feel bad, I guess, for women no. from that sense where, like, you have to think of safety always in a different way than most uh, than a lot of men do. I think that most women, if we're being You're honest, more at risk. Right. Well, I think that most women, if they're being honest, mm-hmm. would say that we always live with a little bit of fear. Damn. And it's not just at night. It's like um, you could be in a target and just get like a funky vibe from somebody. Uh, yeah, just like a skeevy yep. dude. And I'm just like, fuck it. I leave my cart and I, I just leave or I make sure that someone else is around me. Well, I even think about that at the gym or at the gym where it's like if there's some like young girl, whatever like that, or fit woman like working out nearby, I'm just like watching some of the other dudes like not shy about like prolonged, intense right. stares. Why do you think that most women don't like to go to gyms or like uh. or like women will be comfortable working in, out in a gym, but they'll mm. avoid the weight room? It's it's yeah. not only the intimidation of like, oh, we don't know how to use the equipment because that could happen to anybody. If, sure. You know, anything yeah, yeah, yeah. that you've never used. But then it's just like no one wants to be fucking oogled. Right, because like when I go there, I don't, I don't think about that. No one's, no one's like well, mm, looking, staring at me you know, the whole time I'm there. Right, right, and also you're not going to the gym to check out women, regardless of being married. Do you know uh, what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, yeah. that's not your mo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I notice people, but, well, but, of course, but I'm not, I notice people too. Right, like we're I'm only not, human, right? But I'm not like, yeah, it's not gratuitous. <laughs> Do those lunches, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but it, what a creepy thing to have to encounter all the time. Yeah, you just, you just view the world in a very different way, and that's we were. Now that we've gone on this tangent, I'll finish with this thought. You know, our oldest child will be driving soon. And I recently said, you know, I want him to take a self-defense class. Mm-hmm. A, he's not a very athletic person. He's strong. <laughs> he but, is strong. But he's not. Yeah. That's just not his forte. No, he's not interested in no, it. No. And, and he is a peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, he is not, he's a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. And what I think about is oh, at boo-boo. some point he is going to go somewhere with his sister. He's going to take someone on a date. He needs, in my opinion, to not only be able to protect himself, yeah. but if something were to happen, like he really wants to live in a large city. Well, what if he's on a date with someone and somebody mm-hmm. sticks them up for, you know, yeah. her purse? It's like, I think awareness is not about male, female. It's just about everybody being yeah. aware of situations all the time and just trying to be safe. Mm-hmm. It's such a silly thing, but just be safe. In that situation, give them the money. Oh my God, give them everything give they them, want. Give them all the money. All the money, all the jewelry. Mm-hmm. Fa- like, I don't care if it's a family heirloom, just yep. fucking give it up. Not, not worth you getting hurt. No, it's not. Well, welcome to our tiny TED Talk. I love that I say that as in my fantasy. I literally thought, I know, I know. as I'm Where saying this, in my brain, I was like, I wouldn't do that. Uh-huh, I know I you. fucking kill him. <laughs> anyway.
Okay. Are you ready for another spoopy story? Yeah. Okay, now, for this story, I said we were headed to La Jolla, California. Yes, you did. We love La Jolla. It's very pretty. Been there many a times. When you were back when you were touring, thank mm-hmm. you, COVID. Haven't been there in a while. If you own a home there, good for you. Yeah, seriously. You are killing it. Now, do you remember that story we told? I think it was about late last year about a girl who went scuba diving yes. in the cave. Oh, shoot. I was thinking of uh, there was another uh, tale near there where she dove down into the water and Ah, it was like a disappearance, and then she vanished. No, I don't oh. remember the cave part. Oh, yeah, there was like a girl. It was a girl, and she was doing, you know, you're, you never dive by yourself. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And so it was yes. like this weird, yep. okay. Yep. So that story was in my head, and um, so I just thought that this story was so great because that story had multiple reports, kind of. You know, it was like, and now this story has so many multiple reports. Okay. And I, I feel like it's entirely verifiable. Um before I dive in, do you think you could scuba dive with the proper I don't, training? Mm, I don't like, well. Would you want to? Ah, Maybe. Oh, I am a hard no on the scuba. Really? Hard no on scuba? Because, I don't know. It freaks I, me out. It's perfect, exactly. Perfect I, situation. If it was like Caribbean and I know there's a reef out there and there's a bunch of people around and uh, I'm not worried about sharks and it's very bright outside. Like There has to be so many things for me to try it out but if it was like dark water and then you have to go down into a cave nope uh-uh hard no anything that is sensory deprivation like that that is not like some hot sex situation with my husband is oh. like i don't i love how you act like you don't know no, i know i was going oh, oh. <laughs> i was like what, what are you talking about you know that um that it is of zero interest to me it is yeah. it it immediately my heart is like i i mean i get panic attacks you know mm-hmm. it's like i'm in fucking therapy it's like I, that is something that i can't control yeah. I mean, I'm, I bet I could with time and blah, blah, blah. Sure. But like. But yeah, I'm, not, not I'm something out. you want any piece of. Okay. Snorkel? Yes. Scuba? No. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Oh, and also this person's name is Lindsay, which is so great. <laughs> hey, Dan and Lindsay. <laughs> hey, Lindsay. Love you both. Huge fan of all the things. Uh, thank you. I say all the things. Look, we're the same. This story is not mine. However, it spooped the spoop out of me, which is not easily achieved. I'm an avid scuba diver, so naturally, the story shared last week piqued my interest and solidified for me that I must share this one. One of the divers we know well, we will call her Erica, was out for a night dive at our frequented dive spot at La Jolla Shores here in San Diego. It's a submarine canyon that runs the length of the coastline for some distance. She and her dive buddy, John, both very experienced divers, took to the water late one evening for a night dive. They were at the water's edge when they were approached by an older diver, fully geared up and ready to get in himself. He was alone, so he asked if he could join their buddy team. As a diver, you should never dive alone unless trained and specially equipped to do so. Erica and John quickly obliged the gentleman. My name's Steve. Thanks for letting me tag along, he said. No problem. We always love to meet new people, Erica replied. They continued to chat while kicking along the surface of the water to the point of descent into the submarine canyon. Steve did most of the talking. He proceeded to tell his new dive buddies about some recent difficulties he was having with his significant other and baby mama. Erica and John were a bit surprised by Steve's willingness to share the details of his personal life, having just met him, but he seemed, needed, he seemed to need ears to listen, and so they did. Finally reaching their destination, they dropped beneath the inky waters and started their dive. Erica noted when detailing her story to me that something about the dive immediately felt different. There were no little critters swimming about, no octopus, no fish, nothing. 
In fact, anything that Steve pointed out in the desolate seascape was dead or just a skeletal remain. Erica dove this site hundreds of times. As an instructor, she took her students here all the time, albeit during the light of day. But this somehow felt different. Throughout the dive, her feelings of uneasiness continued to grow. She began to have feelings of dread and fear. What was she scared of? She knows this place so well. What was going on with her? She couldn't shake it, but they finished their dive without incident. The three divers surfaced safely and began to kick back to shore. After kicking a few moments, Erica looked to her left to tell John something. And a moment later, she looked to her right to tell Steve something, but he was gone. Wait. Erica looked back at John, whose face was gobsmacked. They looked everywhere. Where could he have gone? There is quite literally nowhere he could go. The lights from the nearby hotel cast brightly out onto the water, so the surface was sufficiently illuminated where the trio had surfaced. They didn't know what to think. Had something happened to him? Did he sink below the surface? Nah, he couldn't have. Erica and John exited the water and walked back to their cars, their heads on swivel, canvassing for Steve. They checked the park. No Steve. There were no other cars nearby either. They should have seen him or at least where his stuff was, but nothing. They couldn't explain it, but they also didn't know if they should report it. Dialing 911 to report what exactly? A missing diver, but maybe he did just get out and they didn't see him. They both concluded it was so weird, but they just dis- but they dismissed it. They didn't know what else to do. Days later, while recounting her puzzling story to another diver, they couldn't help but respond to her shock. Steve, you said. What's his last name? Erica said, I don't know. She didn't think about asking that during all the chit-chat Steve was doing. The diver quickly whipped out their phone and rapidly plucked at the keyboard. Does he look anything like this guy? Erica's face lit up. Yeah, that's the guy. Oh my God, what a small world. How do you know him? Erica, that's Steve Doheny. He died years ago. Remember, he was that diver they found in the boiler room on the Yukon? Erica had heard of Steve. She just didn't know his name. Steve was diving on the Yukon, a local wreck dive, when he was separated from his dive buddy. An extensive search was conducted over several days with tons of local divers volunteering to join the search. Eventually, they found Steve. Steve was in the boiler room of the ship, a section previously bolted and locked to prevent anyone from accessing it. Steve had taken a pair of bolt cutters down with him that day, Mm. opened the boiler room, and ended his life there. Erica suddenly realized she and John had dove with a ghost. He was real as you and me. We talked and we laughed. He was here, she recounted. Since then, she has heard other divers tell the exact same tale. Divers who have seen and dove with Steve long after his death. Steve has a small box and plaque at the shore's places there in tribute. Every time I come across it, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Maybe because I can relate, or maybe because it very easily could have been me diving with the ghost of Steve that night. Heck. I suppose it still could be me. Love you both, Lindsay. Thanks, Lindsay. That I love those stories. That one reminds me of the oh, if I can remember how to say it, Genoloan. Genoa ca- caves. Is it Genoa? I'm thinking of Genoa ah, salami. I don't know if that's no. right. It starts with a J. It's like Genoland, or but you, listeners know what I'm talking about. The the, the caves yeah. we talked about in Australia, uh, that big cave system. Mm-hmm. But I remember like one of the stories was the tour guides would go, and there was this one guy who was part of the early yes setting up the caves as part of like a, a like a tourist attraction. Tourist attraction, exactly. Yeah, and he was like really committed. He'd explored a few of the caves, and that guy had been spotted like being part of tour groups, right? And talking to the tour guide that one time. Yes, yes. Those those ones really weird me out. Uh-huh. 
they're like to, to, to me those ones are the biggest proof of ghosts mm-hmm. like that's so crazy that you would think it was a real person uh-huh. you're having a few of you are uh-huh. having a conversation with some diver talking about b- baby or baby, uh, mama, baby drama. mama drama thank you I, was gonna, I almost said baby drama mom and I'm like that's not right <laughs> <laughs> close enough but oh man can you even that'd be a really cool thing to experience what I like about that is yes it would give you the chills later mm-hmm. but in the moment you wouldn't be afraid that's that is very true. Right? Because you think it's just a person. Right. And, there, and it would be ideal to have that experience with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then later you're like, wait, what? That person wasn't real? That yeah. means we were definitely talking to a ghost, never tried to hurt him, was not right. threatening, but definitive proof for you that there's something else out there. Like at that point, you cannot deny it. Or you can. How you, would you deny it at that you, point? You, you just don't want to know. The proof of the afterlife or something you else just out ignore there? You just like, maybe you don't hmm. want it. Maybe you don't want it. Hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm preemptively protecting myself. Oh man, I would love to have an experience like that. You say that, but then every time you say, oh, I'd love to have that experience. I know, but then sometimes I get scared. Yeah, because then you say yes, but then that means all the other shit could be real. <laughs> as soon as one positive thing is open, that means all the negative is open as well. I think it's better to I'll live in the unknown. Okay. I'm cur- this I week. Know. I don't know. I, I changed my. I know. This week, I'm in the unknown. I like the gray area of like. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Good stories, right? Good stories. I know these Good were stories. so juicy. Do you have some shout outs you want to do? I do. And then before I give them, just because I've referenced it a few times, I feel, yeah. I feel like I need to give like a blind manner update. I finished oh. the series. Okay. And what people told me, I felt was correct. If you haven't seen that series, pound for pound, not as scary as Hill House okay. as season one, but. Still a really, still, I think, really worth watching a great story Okay, with some solid scare moments, but just as a series, so well done. Okay. Well, I, I really will say this. It. I, excuse me. I knew it wasn't as scary because oh, as the yeah. person who lives in the house with you and won't watch those shows with you, uh-huh. I heard you doing a lot of gasps and jump on the, scares. On the season one, Hill And House, then season yeah. two, you were like, you enjoyed it. I could I tell. It, yeah. it was probably visually really well done. All mm-hmm, the things. Good, story. good acting. La, la, mm-hmm, la. Mm-hmm. But you were not very scared, if at all. Oh, you missed some of them. There were some moments where I was like, Gah! like I definitely was like, that is fucking creepy as shit. Can you do that again? Gah! I'm sure people <laughs> are enjoying that. That's a great sound. <laughs> Good face expression with it. I know it. I know it. So oh, do you, go ahead. And thank you before I do the shout outs. Thanks for everyone rating and reviewing the shows. Yeah. It definitely helps keep us current. Um, you know, for people looking for new shows to watch. It lets them see recent reviews, and we, we do really appreciate that. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, Lindsay said, uh, you know, somebody sent it to her, like, from Spotify. So oh, if cool. you guys are, you know, oh, like, sharing it. Yeah, yeah, you can just share, mm-hmm. which is a great a great way to help us grow yes, the show. Thank and, you. Yeah. The, the bigger it gets, the more we can do. Mm-hmm, so fun. Uh, uh, so I want to thank the following Annabelles for supporting our show. Brandon Jenkins, Mackenzie Wilson, David Lemieux Jr., Keith Brown, Becky L., Kayla Wilson, Jillian Morton, Alicia Rogers, Jennifer Gatlin, Valerie Bloom, Paul Serrato, Cameron Gray, XX Wintry XX. I know, I love it. That's a spicy one. I like it. Uh, spicy. Uh, Griffin LeDuc. And then this one, this is his space lizard name, which is uh, not a time suck. So that's why this is a ridiculous name. <laughs> you have to say it. I told him you would. Jared Dicksucker Dixon. <laughs> Thank you for supporting the show. I can hear Zach out there laughing. <laughs> well, I would like uh, to thank the Annabelles, John Boone, Samuel Cleveland, Kyle Sparger, Dina Christensen, Douglas Driscoll, Voltex93, Eric Asbill, Alexandra Locker, Alex Brinkerhoff, 
Elena Bergen, Hugh Atkinson, Lance Petrie, Petrie, Lance Petrie, Nick Marshall, Courtney Wheeler, and Chad Denzer. And then I have my spooky shoutouts to Connor from McKenzie. Happy birthday, brother. To Cole from Mom and Dad and Haley, we love you. I love it. Another family. I love Mm -hmm. these families. To Alexis, a.k.a. Boo Boo, from your dad, Nick. Happy belated birthday. To Jared and Delaney. Oh, this is a big one. Mm -hmm. Okay. To Jared and Delaney from Shelby. Congrats on your future baby girl, Gracie. Their family. This is how their family is going to find out they're having a baby girl. Oh, cool. Congrats. And to Kanch from Yarazitz. Happy birthday. uh, Happy belated birthday. And to Georgia from your mom, Sarah. Happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. And I want to give a little shout out to uh, our nephew, Emerson Hale. (gasps) Emerson. Em, he's a big fan of the show. He's my uh, he's my Fortnite buddy. So sweet. Kind of. He just murders me when we play that game. <laughs> <laughs> but he's super fun, super sweet kid. He's a huge fan of the show. I, he likes. Listen, our kids don't even listen to it, and Emerson's nah, like, over it. no, Emerson wants to talk to me about it. Nah, I'm like, you're cool. the best. I will take. I will trade one Emerson for one Kyler. How dare you? We, no, we want to keep Kyler, but we love Emerson as well. Uh, that's all for today. Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith for the badmagicmerch.com designs, store at badmagicproductions.com for customer service, producer Sophie Evans for story curation, Zach Flannery for directing today's show, uh, Joe Paisley for producing, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation, Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, and to uh, Liz Hernandez for running the Creeps and Peepers private Facebook group. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch our show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want the pictures and more content at Scared to Death Podcast. And if you don't want to hear more ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes and more, find us on Patreon, be a Robert or an Annabelle, and enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye, y'all. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared.